going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Toes on the Line podcast. You already know who this is, man, Gio Grassi, and I'm bringing to you today Coach Pat Basil from Hamilton College. And we're talking a little business, man. We're talking business and strength and conditioning, customer service and strength and conditioning, how you could better service your athletes, how you could better monetize your own income as a strength coach because sometimes we get caught up in the salary of what we make at a university or whatever uh, private sector place that we're working and we forget that there's other avenues to somewhat make money. So Pat talks a lot about that today, and I appreciate the knowledge he brought on today because a lot of people always say, I don't know how to do that. Well, he kind of describes and explains the process of how he's done it, why he's done it, and who he's done it for, which is basically what you want to do as a businessman. You find your audience, and then you go ahead and create something for them. So go on my Twitter, at Coach Gio Grassi. Click on my link tree, and you'll see Coach Pat Basil's books there. So get ready. Line them up, lock and load, get ready to go. Welcome to the Tolson Online Podcast. I'm your host, Gio Grassi. Today I have head strength conditioning coach from Hamilton College, Coach Pat Basil. Pat, thanks for joining the show today. And, uh, if you could just give a little brief history about yourself, where you came from, where you're at now, how you got there, um, just to give our listeners a little bit of input, man. But how's everything going with you, Coach? All's great. All's great. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. No doubt, man. I appreciate you jumping on, man. And uh, yeah, let's talk about where you came from. Long Island guy. Am I right? Y- yes, sir. Long Island originally, Suffolk County, go. South Shore. Um, so well, for him, he's from the metro area. I'm uh, South Shore, Long Island, St. Anthony's High School. You know. Dynasty area, dynasty area football, not so much anymore. Anyway, so Long Island to um, played at Bryant University up in Rhode Island, college football from there. That's where I kind of learned strength and conditioning. What that's really what I wanted to do. Um, I had four different strength coaches in four years, which was not great for my development. But I got Jeez. to see four different um, leadership styles and management styles, and and just the the whole approach to it was really cool. So I knew. You know, halfway through college, that's what I wanted to do. I knew I did want a real job for sure. Um, and seeing a you know college strength program in action, you know, I knew this is what I wanted to do. So I interned with our strength staff when I was done playing um, my senior year. Uh, after that, did an internship with UConn football, and then from there, that fall, I got my first job. Um, actually, doing both coaching football and strength and conditioning at uh, Maritime College, which is actually helped by you guys. Small D3 school where I got to do both. Uh, from there, went back to my alma mater as an assistant, Bryant. Uh, was there for about three and a half years and then got the opportunity to pretty much break ground on this strength program here at Hamilton College. Um, and this just finished up year three here. So that's my story in a nutshell. Nice, man. What would you say is the biggest difference uh, going from Maritime to where you're at now? From Marathon, it's yeah. a different uh, it, it's a it's a different caliber. The NESCAC, for anyone who's not familiar, the NESCAC conference is the most competitive conference in the country, period. The, some people call it the, the SEC of Division Three, but huh, relatively really? relatively it's the most competitive conference in the country at any level. So we have more national champions, more top ten, top five teams um, than any conference in the country at any level. So in a lot of sports, you'll see two NESCACs duke it out for the national title every year, like women's soccer. Uh, we just had our rowing national championship for us. It was like three NESCACs in the final six, 
we actually finished second in the country. We were, we were the national champs runner up for women's rowing. Um, nice. but it was, it was three NESCACs competing for, you know, the, the top six spots. So that's, that's the kind of thing you'll see, uh, you know, lacrosse is another one, you know, you'll have multiple NESCACs basketball. I think last time we played, we had like either four or five NESCACs in the sweet 16 or something like that. So it's uber high level, uber high level athletes. Uh, we'll get a lot of division one, division two caliber kids because we're, it's, it's an elite world-class academics so okay. it's either you know if you know they're considering like a you know yale harvard or hamilton um if they you know if they're a step too slow for yale or harvard they'll come to us okay. um, and it's not they're not all like that but we do get some kids that are extremely talented that just want to go to to have the grades to go to an elite academic school so we can recruit nationally so that's how we get uh, us and the other nescacs can get some super high caliber kids because of that Gotcha. Uh, yeah, that was going to be my next qu- next question to you. Where's your recruiting pool? So you guys basically look all around. Oh, yeah, it's national. You know, we're, we're yeah. depending on the sport, you know, it's a lot of Northeast dominance. We're, we're in upstate New York, so we'll get a lot of kids from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Mass, New England. But I think our our admissions director said our sec- after New York, our second most common state is California. So we're pulling kids from all over. Uh, you know, we have kids from Texas and Florida kids will travel to come to Hamilton. Yeah. And we do have a lot of kids from California too. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's, it's like the same thing at Fordham. Like I want to say the teams I work with, it's pretty, it's pretty spread out, pretty diverse. You know, the baseball, water polo, the football team, pretty, pretty spread out throughout the country, man. I think it's pretty cool mm-hmm. that, you know, we, we can get these kids from, you know, California, uh, Hawaii, Texas, you know, uh, Washington to come, you know, you know, either to Hamilton or, you know, any other school in New York, it's pretty dope. How far are you guys from mm-hmm. the city? How, how, how far is the commute? From New York city, we're about, I'd say four hours. We're due North up the thruway. Um, so the closest city to us is Syracuse. If you're familiar with the area, oh, yeah. so we're about an hour. Deep. Okay. We're way up there. So if you picture New York state on a map, we're literally in the dead center of the actual state. So okay. about four hours to the city, for me to get home to Long Island, if I if I can scoot traffic, it's about four and a half hours. Jeez. Yeah. If I don't, it's a different story. <laughs> yeah. Add the traffic factor. And it's funny because everyone I talk to that's not from this area, they'll look at it on the map and they're like, oh, you guys, it's like right down the street for you guys. I'm like, yeah, right down the street is maybe about an hour, brother. You know, you factor in the, for sure. know, 13 million you know, people worth of traffic and shit. You know, it gets insane, man. Everybody gets out at the same time. Oh, yeah. Crazy, man. But. All right, coach, I wanted to talk a little bit about your project that you had going on, the uh, strength training program design manual. The you know, first thing I wanted to talk about was, you know, what, what made you want to, you know, write that manual, number one. And number two, like where, where have your, you know, programming design concepts come from? Like, where did you learn from? Who did you learn from? You know, what did you enjoy reading throughout your career as a coach, you know, coming up as a coach? Sure. So the, the reason behind it was um, basically I, I knew I could do it. I had this there's two reasons. One, I knew I could do it and I knew people needed it. Um, so it was, what are some of the basics that we know as strength coaches that we apply? Um, so I knew I, I always had a knack to teach and that kind of, that's one of the reasons I got into the field. So I had a knack to teach and coach. And I said, you know, I, I know I can articulate this in a way that's really digestible, really simplified. Um, and I can really kind of help people help other coaches help their teams and their kids. And I, I know I can write it in a very digestible way because there's, there's a fire hose of information out there, right? 
-hmm. So you can scour Google, you can scour YouTube. There is, you know, you know, you can, you can go buy the NSCA essentials of the essentials text is what 500 pages. Yeah. You know, science and practice of strength training is a fantastic book. It's like 400 pages. Super training is what 700 pages. People don't need these fire hoses of information. They need, okay, what do I need? What do I actually need to put a good program in place? And that's it. So that's what I made. And I found there's a ton of like, you know, two, 300 page books, but people don't have time for that. You know, especially, yeah. you know, small college coaches and, and high school coaches and like interns and GAs that are taking classes and working other jobs to, to get through their internship and high school coaches that, you know, teach during the day or work other jobs. Uh, people don't have time to, to dedicate, you know, 20 pages a day to get through super training. They just don't, they don't have it. And frankly, you don't need it. What, what are the, the absolutely essential things you need to know to write a good quality program to get your team on the right track. And I said, I know I can write that in a digestible way. Um, and, and that's what it is. And my, my target goal audience for that is exactly that. Those like high school coaches, small college coaches that are kind of doing dual roles, um, interns getting their foot in the door because they're going to, you know, they see these things like extensive versus intensive plyos and super, super max split squats and all these, you know, I even talk about like dynamic effort and concurrent methodologies. And it's just like, oh my God, where do I start? Yeah. And that's the idea is like, here is where you start. And honestly, it's not where you start. It's this can get you up to 90% of the way there. So I firmly believe that just getting an athlete from, you know, a beginner to an intermediate and then an intermediate to an advanced level will cover about anywhere from 90 to 99% of all transfer to the weight room. And the, when an athlete is, is advanced, um, you know, they can squat double body weight, they can clean whatever they you know, they're quote unquote strong enough. It becomes an, a never ending pursuit of that last one to 5%. Uh -huh. But I honestly believe that mastering that movement quality in your main movements and getting strong enough is about 90 to 95% it. Even if you want to dumb it down, say that's 80% of the way there. It, it's super easy to do as long as you write you know, a sound program with quality movement, apply progressive overload for a few years, you're going to get at bare minimum 80% of the way there. Uh -huh. And for, for that, for the, you know, the dual role coach or the young coach getting started, that's exactly what they need. And, you know, it could be as high as 90, 95%. And then maybe you want to dabble in something like a triphasic, or you want to get into things like depth drops and the shock method and um, concurrent training. Great. You know, it's awesome. Go for it. But Stick to those basic principles and you will uh, milk that for as long as absolutely possible. I say it maybe even I go, I milk that longer than maybe you should because I want to get the most out of it before jumping programs, starting to try these flashy things. Yeah. Because who's to, who's to say just because you do something different in advance doesn't mean it's actually going to work to drag out that last 1%. Right. right so right. maximize that that you know 90 to 95% by doing a sound program really 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 well um and that's going to get you there uh, so that was the idea behind the program behind the behind the book is here's everything you absolutely need to know with examples so that it's, it's the you know explaining the some of the science and, and the methodology behind it but also there's there's uh program templates in there so i literally you know main movement you know, literally a template of how, uh, you know, a total body workout should look an upper body and lower body. And then I put examples, you know, how many sets and reps, what percentage, and then I have like an exercise bank for each one.
where you literally plug and play. Okay. I'm not sure how to write a program. Okay. Go to, it's like paint by the numbers. Okay. This is a number one. This is a number two. And you literally pick an exercise and plug it in. Uh And I have them ranked from like basic to advanced. So somebody who doesn't know how to write a program can literally just plug from one piece of the puzzle into another piece of the puzzle and put it together. And I have um, examples in there that you could just run the example templates um, until you kind of get a feel and then you can start playing with your own stuff. So it's pretty much a paint by the numbers, step-by-step guide of how to write a really sound program in a very digestible, I don't want to say simplify, but a very digestible way. And that that's probably the most common um, compliment I get on it. You know, people will buy it. They'll DM me and say how much they like it. They'll say, it's so digestible. This is exactly what I needed to hear. And it's, it's exactly what it is. It's, it's not the fire hose of information. It's, it's that digestible. Okay. I get it. This makes sense. Let me roll with it. And that's mm-hmm. the idea. I think that's awesome because I usually get interns who come in and they want to talk about all these advanced methods, like, you know, chain squats, uh, the shock method, using bands on bars. And my thing to them is always, man, if you haven't mastered any of the basics yet, if you can't even sleep eight hours a night, let's not even talk about advanced methods yet, you know? So I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty impressive that you actually put your time and, you know, your equity into developing this book for people who, hey, like you said, let's just make it digestible to where the information is not too extensive and it's pretty much basic. And let's say, hey, let's master the stuff. So I kudos to you on that coaching. I got to give you that one. That's awesome. Um, Appreciate it. Put the yeah, yeah no, no, seriously, because I always say to myself, you know what, I, I could do stuff like this, but I just never put forth the time or the effort. So you doing that, um, and recognizing the people in the population who might need the information is pretty smart. Um, business savvy on your end, man. You're a business one on one, man. You're a New York guy, so that's <laughs> it counts. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, kudos to that. But um, that's pretty cool. But wh- where did you like develop your own personal methodologies and um, I guess philosophies of programming and coaching? That's a fantastic question. Um, we had to, we had to adapt to our situation. So I tried a lot. I kind of went through the gambit. Um, you know, I started out doing fairly basic stuff because I didn't know any better. Very powerlifting base five, three, one, because, because as a young guy, you don't know any better. When I was, when I was done playing, I wanted to get into powerlifting. So I started doing five, three, one, um, just kind of a linear basic strength program. And that was my programs were, were definitely dominated that way early on because I didn't know anything else. Um, and we were pretty solid, you know, it was a clean squat, bench, chin ups, that kind of stuff. Just a basic, you know, upper, lower total template kind of thing. I played around with the tier system a little bit, but I really didn't understand it. I kind of just copied the template and plugged exercises in without actually understanding it. Um, so it was, I, I kind of followed the whole linear, linear, just basic for a while because I believed in it. When I was at Bryant, we played around with a lot of stuff. We did triphasic. We did, um, like, if you're familiar with Dr. Pat Davidson, his mass program with the 30-30 circuits, we played around with circuits. We played around with triphasic. Uh, we were real lucky to get, you know, a, a bunch of Tendo units. We were doing VBT. So, so I got to explore a lot of these, you know, different things. We did triphasic and VBT and all those kind of things. Um, so I got to play around with a lot of different stuff early on, which was cool because I could see, okay, this worked, that didn't work, or, you know, we did this method and it really didn't work that well, or it wasn't anything special, um, or I or I applied it poorly and we didn't see the same result as I, as I would have wanted because I applied it poorly. Uh, for example, like, I went all in with VBT 
I think if I can give an example, field hockey in season. So my field hockey girls at Bryant were awesome and they were strong. They were strong as hell. Uh, Cause we could, we train that way. Um, but I started doing a VBT stuff and I noticed a lot of them weren't, especially the freshmen weren't strong enough to really accelerate the bar. So by the end of the year, we really kind of lost a good amount of strength or the, or in season for those younger ones. Though, they didn't really make a ton of progress or as much as they would have. Uh, because we kind of got too advanced with it. So I, it was it was good to see, in hindsight, it was good to go through that process of like trying to apply an advanced method to a beginner group, mm-hmm. the, you know, those freshmen anyway, and seeing like, okay, it works for this, it doesn't work for that. And it's kind of that learning experience. So I got to play with a bunch of different stuff uh, when I was at Bryant, and I kind of really learned under my, my mentor, Coach Buck, Craig Buckley at Bryant, who was my strength coach my senior year. So having him as my mentor coming up as a, you know, a fledgling was absolutely awesome because he could answer all my questions. Um, he knew I didn't know it, you know, anything, you know, I was coming from, you know, I, I was Brian's a business school. So I went to a business school and I was a psychology major. So I didn't have any exercise science background, you know, outside of studying for the CSCS or whatnot. Uh-huh. So to have that, you know, that situation and that kind of mentor to come up under was absolutely huge. Um, and then from there to Hamilton, I had to figure it out um, because our logistics and our situation is very different um, it, with what we're allowed to do with the amount of teams we have to churn through. We have to simplify what we do to fit our logistics. And this is something I talk about a lot on Twitter is our, our programming is probably 90% dictated just be, just based on space equipment and flow. You know, we have, we have 10 total racks you know, five double-sided racks. And then I have like two standalone squat stands. I kind of stuck in the middle of the room and we'll jam as many as 40 kids in there. And I forget the square footage, but it's the, our weight room is not very big. Um, so a lot of our program is just dictated on, okay, how can I keep the traffic moving? And what I found is there are a ton of programs out there that operate the exact same way. They have 50 kids in a room they got 40 kids in a room and they just have to keep it going so it's cool to read about all these advanced methods and talking about force plates and rsi and vbt it's like for 90 percent of programs that stuff's just not applicable like it would be great to run you know an an apre or you know do force velocity profiling on every single kid but it's just not plausible for most places every high school coach listening to you know, a podcast saying, man, that's so cool, but I just can't use that. So that's, that's who I try to talk to is like, Hey, look, I'm in the same boat as you. Here's how I figured it out. Uh Um, And that's what I try to share and give back is look, I've had, I've had to figure out solutions to the same problems you have. Here are the solutions I figured out, or here's what's worked for us. And that's, that's most of my content is I feel like we found a really, really good way to operate within our logistics and a lot of other people have those logistics as well. Um, so just being able to share the stuff we figured out, it, it would be it would be wrong and selfish to, to hold it back because it can help a lot of people. Um, gotcha. So as far as um, how we developed our programming and what works is it, it, it's what had to work in our situation. We have a ton of kids. We got to churn them through. For reference, we have twenty nine sports, six hundred athletes. So that's. We had, we're a small school, so that's one-third of the student population comes through our weight room. So we're 1,800 kids, 600 athletes, and they all come through on basically a 45-minute rotating schedule. So we have to get 
30, 40 kids through in 45 minutes. So what do you do? It means you have to cut out all of the extra fluff. You have to go bare bones. Um, if you're familiar with the 80, 20 principle, the Pareto principle, 80% of your results are going to come from 20% of your actions. And that's 1000% true. So our program is basically a walking, talking 80, 20 principle. Um, and I found that applies to pretty much everything in life. And if, if you, if you look into the Pareto principle, um, it could be as high as 90, 10, or even 95, five, meaning 10, 10% of your actions lead to 90% of the results uh-huh. or even five to 95. So it's not just 80 to 20, it could be even higher. And I found that it is true of almost everything in life. That is true. That is a true phenomenon. So our program is very dictated that way because it has to be. We only have 45 minutes, sometimes less. I mean, we found that that works and more isn't better. It's enough is enough and more isn't better. Um, We can get through in... 45 minutes, most of the times less and have, you know, these fantastic results of squat and double body weight and deadlift two and a half and all these fantastic things. Uh, for example, our softball girls have a, an innate ability to finish any lift in 37 minutes. That's from warm up to breakdown, including the warm up, doing the lift. They're done in 37 minutes every single time. Nice. Um, efficient in season lifts. I- I- exactly. They're very efficient. Yeah. Um, and, I'll, and I'll, t- I'll touch on that next, but even in-season lifts, we'll get like 30 minutes. For example, men's hockey will come up um, after practice. So they'll get off the ice, change, and we'll get right into it. We won't even warm up because they're already dripping with sweat. Uh-huh. And they'll finish a lift, in-season lift in like 30, 35 minutes, and that's it. And then twice a week, Monday, Wednesday, play Friday, Saturday, they won't miss a beat at the end of a season. We'll, we'll PR our vertical jumps. You know, I'll test vertical jumps once a week. They'll PR the last four weeks of the year. Um, just doing 30 minutes twice a week. And that's after doing 45 minutes, three days a week. And we found that I don't want to, less is more is not the answer. It's enough is enough. And enough is a lot less than you think it is. And we found that out because we had to, we had to be efficient, like you said, but not just efficient. It has to be effective. You can't just do half workout and say, well, this is all we get. No, you still have to deliver results. You have to get stronger. You have to get more powerful. You have to decrease injury rates with the time you get. Uh And yes, it's efficient, but it has to be effective as well. And we found that effective takes a lot less than we think it does. So that's why the, the, the formula is for us is six to eight total exercises in 45 minutes or less. That's it. If everybody does that, that's plenty. Hmm. And that's how I, that's how I came up with my philosophy and my formula. It was out of necessity. Um, it was out of necessity and just finding that that worked. I, you know, I, I didn't go in saying we're going to do this and it's going to work. It's like, here's what we have. Here's what we can do with our situation. Let's run it. And we found the results are fantastic. So I've, I've adopted that idea of like, look, by necessity, this is what we've had to do. It doesn't take that much and it's worked extremely well. So that's how we've come up with our our formula there. That's good, man. Six to eight and 45 minutes. You're like tapping into a little GPP as well, right? Like getting get a little, uh, it, it could serve as like recovery maybe, no? Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely the work capacity of it. Cause you have right, to keep that's, moving. That's, yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking about work capacity. Right. Exactly. And yeah, GPP same deal. Um, yeah. Supersets, trisets. We'll even do a lot of our assistance work and quad sets. Um, so like, you know, we'll do our main movement, say like a, a squat and a jump, then like, you know, your assistance movements of 
you know, an RDL and a lunge, and then our last four assistance movements, I'll do in a quad set just to keep the, the group moving. Um, but again, to get a little bit of that work capacity in there. So in terms of your, you know, your micro dosing aerobic capacity, there you go. Right. There we go. That's, there we go. And, and that's the way to phrase it, man. That's the phrase that pays right there. But I, I like mm-hmm. how you, I like how you said it's never less is more enough is enough because there's, there have been times this past spring when I had my baseball guys come in the weight room and they just look dead beat four hours in practice, maybe uh, between their own personal BP and actual practice. They haven't eaten anything since 1 PM and now it's 6 PM. And I'll just tell them, Hey, look, we're just focused on B block today. Let's get these squats in. Let's do our prep work in the beginning for a block. And then once you're done with your squats, boom, we're out the door, you know? So mm-hmm. I think, you know, to, to your sense, enough is enough. Like I didn't need these guys to hit a C block um, with, with some additional work because they, they were just too beat. It was going to have no return on the investment from what I wanted to get out of them. Mm-hmm. You know, for so sure. I got kind of yeah. like, yeah, I'm, I might, I'm going to have to adopt that term from you. Enough is enough. I like that. Yep. I like how you said your methods and your programming and your principles, you kind of adapt to the situation you're in. Because I remember being at Fairly Dickinson and we had three racks in the, I mean, you could call it a weight room if you want. I, I, I called it a room in the upper corner of the gym. You mm-hmm. know, we had about, oh my God, it was tiny, man. Well, how the fuck big was this room? It was like 1,200 square feet. And we made it happen. Um, you mm-hmm. know, women's soccer was, you know, we, we got to the Elite Eight a couple times in uh, NCAAs. Uh, men's soccer, we won conference with them. I don't think we went too deep with them in the playoffs. Uh, men's basketball, we made NCAA tournament once. And um, just listening to you talk about how you do things and, you know, how you fit and you adapt to your, um, what do you call it, your environment from where you're at. I think that's huge. And it kind of runs into, you know, the next thing I want to talk about is culture, man. You know, like I think culture is huge. I always mm-hmm. tell people, hey, look, I'll buy into culture 100% more than I'll buy into any scientific bullshit that people put out there and say, hey, look, this is going to, you know, change fiber type. You're going to stay a little type two X minus and heavy chain. If you do this versus this. And yep. it's like, that's, that stuff is sexy. It sounds incredible. You know, people, you know, I would, I always recommend take that with a grain of salt because you don't want to get too far fetched into the scientific shit, especially if it's done in a lab setting, you know, you want to always, you know, mm-hmm. listen and read people in the practical settings. Uh, but how, how, how did you like get that culture going, man? Because it, for, it sounds like you guys are pretty much dominating in the weight room and on the field of performance from what you're telling me and, and from what it sounds like and what it seems, but you know, how was your culture and how do you implement that culture and how do you translate that down to the athletes being at the D three level? And I don't think a lot of people know, but at the D three level, not much is mandatory as the division one level. And I don't know much about D two because I've never been there, but I know from what we spoke about earlier, you know, D three, nothing's really mandatory in the off season. It's kind of like show up and you'll find out who's about about it. But how have you installed the culture of this is what we do this is our demand. These are our goals and how we're going to achieve them. Yeah, I know you hit right on the head. It's, you know, it's, it's voluntary. You're going to find out who's about it real quick. Yeah. Um, for, for reference to, to understand for, for anybody who's not familiar with D3, anything in the in-season is man, can be mandatory. You can take attendance. You can have punishment for not being there. Um, the off-season, you cannot. Or in, in most Division three schools, you can take attendance and things like that but there just can't be a consequence. Like you can't cut a kid because they didn't show up in the off season, but you can take attendance in the NESCAC. You cannot do that. You can't take attendance. You can't tell them when to show up. You can't, you could get fired for that in the NESCAC for reference. So people understand Yeah. you can't suggest um, that a kid has, you know, Hey, you should really, you know, lift weights, come on up and let you can't No, they have to show up on their own. Um, so how do we instill that? And that's, that is something we learned the hard way. 
Um, so my philosophy going into Hamilton is everybody loves getting stronger. They just don't know it yet. And I still believe that, but my, my, my thought process was if I can get them in the weight room and give them a taste, they'll, they'll buy, they'll bite hard. They'll, they'll love it. Cause it's something they've really, never really had. Uh-huh. So it's, how do we, how do we get them into the weight room when we basically can't get them into the weight room? They have to show up. And the way you do it is one, give them a fantastic experience when they do show up. So they have a great, they have a great experience and then to deliver, you have to deliver fantastic results. So two ways we do it. One, when they are in season and they get their whole team there, we make it, it's the best part of their day. They absolutely love coming to the weight room. And that that's a huge thing that drives a lot of our pro. It's not, it's not the programming. It's not me. It's not the music. It's, the fantastic experience with their teammates that they have fun and they like it, they will come back. Like, like anything else. For example, if you go to Disney world and you have a fantastic experience, you're going to go back. It has nothing to do with working out. It has everything to do with the experience and the customer service you get out of it. 100%. So if you make the weight room, this fantastic positive experience, they're going to come back just because they love it. Who cares what you do or who, who cares what methods you apply if they're there with their teammates and they're jumping around, they're having a great time. Now that doesn't mean we, we play patty cake and sing Kumbaya. We're training hard. <laughs> they love it. Yeah. But that's an, that's another reason that kind of ties into what we do is I don't do things like finishers or, or crush them or team competitions because that makes them tired and fatigued and, and, and it's, it's somewhat of a negative implication and we don't have time for it. Mm-hmm. I want to apply stimulus get them in there, get them trained and leave with more energy than they came in with. So all of our groups will leave the room louder and more excited than they were when they came in. So how do you drive them to get in is you give them a fantastic experience and they're going to come back same as they would a theme park or a restaurant or anything like that. So you give them a fantastic experience, you coach them hard, coach them well, help them out. Uh, you know, if they have an injury, work around it. Um, if they have, you know, a long-term chronic kind of thing, like I've had the shoulder problem or I have scoliosis and you, and you help them, they're going to say, wow, you know, I've never had anybody really be able to help me with this before. That customer service aspect of it is fantastic. Um, and, and they'll come back because they love it. And that's how you drive the culture. It's not about waving towels over your head or slogans. I hate that crap anyway. Talk is cheap. It's about giving them a fantastic result. Um, and the results, they'll love the results and they love the atmosphere. And that's what drives them coming back in. And then it's, you don't have to get, you don't have to get them to come in. They want to come in. And this is something people don't realize. People are more worried about methods and, you know, how do I attach these bands and these floating heel isometrics to change the, the molecular makeup <laughs> of the tendon. It's like, yeah, man, you don't know your kids' names. Yeah. And you're talking about, you're talking about that stuff. You're missing the boat. And this is, you know, this is something people don't study business and customer service. And how do you get return customers? The customer experience and the user experience is, is absolutely huge. So before right. we talk about the molecular makeup of the tendon fibers, make, make it a place your kids want to show up. Cause if your kids hate the weight room, you're shot, you're sinking ship. So you have to give them a fantastic experience, give them the result. So when they say, man, coach, I feel this working on the field, or I feel so explosive, or I feel so fresh, or we're healthy at the end of the season, you know, the training is effective. They appreciate that. And then they love the experience itself. 
and then delivering the, you know, the relation, the everyday relationship with your kids, you know, joking around, how's your day, how's classes going, you know, those kind of things. The weight room, our slogan is the weight room is the best party on campus. And I love that phrase because it is, it's a good time. It's a party in there. Party mm-hmm. in the weight room is the best party on campus. And our kids feed off that. Yeah. They know when they're going to go in there, they're going to have a fantastic time and they love it. That's awesome. So man. that that's how you drive the culture. It's not about slogans. It's uh-huh. not about, because how many, how many, how many teams have slogans on the wall? Everyone. How many win? Yeah. Everyone. And how many win? Not all. Of not them. all. Of them. So what's yep. the slogan doing for you? Talk is cheap. I hate it. I that's hate, awesome. I hate the shirts with the slogans. I hate the words painted on the wall. Um, yeah, it's, that's how you do it. Give them a fantastic experience, coach them hard, coach them well, build a relationship with it. And they'll come back. And if they'll come back, they'll be consistent. They'll get the results and it all, it's a never ending cycle. So that's how we, that's how we drive this thing. I love it, man. I love everything you just said, man. I'm even thinking, I'm like, fuck, do we, do we have anything? We have no slogans on the wall. We don't have any fucking words on the wall. <laughs> I mean, we have a record board on the wall and, you know, uh, we, we kind of went, um, our, our head strength coach, Joel Gilfeder, he kind of went like West side with it. It's like a chalkboard. Mm-hmm. You can erase the kid's name and write your name in there. Um, at first, a lot of people were timid because it was a lot of football guys on the board. But now, mm-hmm. you know, the track kids, you know, the uh, the cross country kids are trying are starting to find their way on the record board on, you know, the max push up test, the max chin up test. You know, the swimmers are finding their way on the board. Um, mm-hmm. The girl, the girls were once timid. But now when they saw it was all softball girls, the volleyball girls were like, well, shit, hey, I could jump. Get me on the record yeah. board, you know, so. Um, it became competitive and, and the kids love coming because of that. And I always tell the kids, listen, I don't give a fuck about the record board. Personally, I just want to win. I'm a winner. I come from a winning pedigree. I want to train to win. But if that's going to keep your motivation to, hey, you want to get on that record board for back squat, front squat, fuck it, let's go for it. But just know we got to yep. trade. We can't chase fucking numbers all the time. But I love how you talked about the customer service experience because I don't think a lot of people understand. And listen, I'm when you said a lot of people, coach, I'm telling you, I'm people. Right. Because I was like, fuck, I kind of lost my sense of customer service over time because when I was a personal trainer, I knew it was all about customer service. Hey, what's going to get the client to want to come back to continue to work with you? It's not the fucking programming. It's the personal relationship mm-hmm. and, and the want to come, you know, um, Bingo. and a- as you were talking, I'm thinking to myself, man, what the fuck is it that makes my kids want to come train with me all the time? Is it my personality? Maybe is it, you know. Every every kid tells me, man, cause you you shoot the shit and keep it hundred, man. You don't fucking bullshit. I'm like, listen, I'm honest as hell, and I don't know if that keeps them coming back. Um, some kids love to trade. Listen, we got some kids that just love to fucking put some weight on the bar and come every single fucking day. We got kids who don't, but they come because of the team environment. Some hey, listen, coach, you don't like doing challenges. I love doing challenges, and that's what makes us different. I got some baseball guys who listen. I know these guys hate the weight room. But they'll come, they'll train because it's a part of the team environment. They love the, the social aspect of, you know, pushing their teammates, even though they're not the strongest kid on the team. But they'll compete their ass off when it comes time for that motherfucking challenge on Friday. You know what I'm saying, coach? Mm-hmm. Um, so for it, sure. I don't know if that's a part of, you know, hey, this is Geo's Disney World and, you know, Coach Pat Basil. Ah. Has, you know, <laughs> coach, coach Pat Basil has his, his theme park, Disney World over there in Hamilton. And I love how you just said it, man. It's like. You got to have business savvy. You got to know what drives the customer to make them want to come back. Because at the end of the day, these athletes are our customers. You know what I'm saying? Yep. The school pays us a base salary, whatever. The customer is the kid. And if the customer's unhappy, the school's always going to question what the fuck are you doing in there? You know? Bingo. Or how you're talking For to sure. the kids. You know, whatever it is. You know, it's never about the program because administration is never going to say, hey, what's uh, how come the kids aren't running fast, jumping out? They don't give a fuck about that stuff. You know? Nope. The sport coach does. But shoot, admin wants to know, hey, are the kids happy? 
that they love you, you know? And, and, and I think yep. you hit the nail on the head, man. You got to be business savvy, man. Did you, did, were you a business major in college? Nope. I was nope. a business minor, but minor, I, I mean, okay. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I, you know, having been in, in business, you know, doing, doing the eBooks and whatnot, mm-hmm. I didn't learn a damn thing in business school that's applicable. I'll tell you what, you know, r- running a customer-based business and in, in, in our weight room of, I, I say it this, time is money and they don't, they don't have to show up. Uh, yeah. So you better provide a great experience and, and treat it like a business. You know, how do you yeah, get yeah. those return customers? I learned way more doing that than I ever did in business school. I'll tell you that much. That's awesome shit. And that's cool that you say that because I always talk, uh, you know, with, with our business um, students at Fordham here. I'm always talking stocks, investments, and everything. And I always tell the kids, listen, I didn't go to school for that shit. You know, I went to school for you know sports science. I learned how to invest my money on my own. Just mm-hmm. picked up something fucking, you know, Forbes magazine was the first thing I damn read. But, you know, um, you know, learn how to do all this shit on my own. So for you learning business stuff outside of school on your own and applying that in the strength and conditioning setting where people say, it's not about business. It's about training. I think that's fucking that goes beyond miles, man. That goes like to the moon type of shit, you know? Yep. If you could win, a, if, if you could win a kid's, you know, um, I guess not, not mind state, but just, just win them in into showing up and talking highly about you. That's awesome, man. Yep. Damn. Business 101 with Coach Pat Basil, everyone, right? <laughs> For sure. For sure. Awesome stuff. Hey, Coach, I think everything you talked about today was fucking valuable, man. One last question I got to hit you with, man. This is my golden question, and there's a clause to it. If you were not a strength and conditioning coach, what other career do you see yourself in? The clause is you cannot say teacher because every fucking coach I ask always says teacher, and I'm tired of hearing that stuff. Man. Um, yeah. So what, what else do you see yourself doing, man? If strength and conditioning wasn't an option to coach, man, what, where would you be? Um, you know, a few years ago, I would say I have no clue. I'd say okay. now if, if, if I had to make a switch and I had nothing else to do, I would probably look into something like real estate development or um, anything. At this point, it would be anything kind of on my own. Uh, probably either I'd be a real estate developer or I would, I would get into some sort of a sales job to learn more about sales and w- with the idea of eventually getting out and um, you know doing something with like real estate, flipping rental properties, that kind of thing. Gotcha. All right. Hey, business savvy, man. You got you got what it takes. You're from New York, you know. That's that's uh that, that's enough. That speaks for itself, right there, right? Yes, sir. Hustle you know mentality, it. man. Well, coach, this is awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, you know, thanks for sharing all the information you did, man. And you know, hopefully, we can do this again uh another time. Absolutely, yeah. It's been fun. It's been fun. Thanks for having me.